Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. What's up, Open Floor Globe? I'm your host, Michael the Podpina, and I'm joined for the second time in a row this week by my all-time best friend, Rohan <laughs> Nadkarni, because um, our other good friend, Chris Herring, is still teaching and will be back next week. Uh, Rohan, I gave you some unofficial homework after our last episode, and it was to please watch at least one episode of Netflix's smash hit television show, Squid Game. So my question to you is, uh, how much Squid Game have you watched, and what are your thoughts about Squid Game? You know, Mike, there's actually a lot of layers to this question, because uh, unlike you, I actually like to take your advice. I actually like to participate in this friendship and engage uh, in discourse. So I did watch the first episode of Squid Game. Mm-hmm. Uh, quite enjoyed it. I I do have a couple issues with some of the tropes. I saw not issues, but just things that I'm like, do I need another like super pathetic deadbeat dad character in my life? Do I need another... Uh, a, a seemingly psycho rich person with unlimited money. Uh, it feels very like early 2000s young adult novel to me, but that's not a criticism. That's not a bad thing. I'm going to keep watching the show. And it's funny because this dovetails into something I need to bring up, Mike, which mm-hmm. as loyal listeners of this podcast have know, I've been pushing you to watch Love Island for months now. You have. You refuse, you refuse to watch an episode. Um. And I was going to get on this podcast and complain about Squid Game spoilers, mm-hmm. but that would be hypocritical, Mike, because I, like an idiot, made a huge Love Island spoiler on our last podcast, and we got an email about it. So big apologies uh, to our friend Ari all the way over in Australia, who's a huge Grizzlies fan, who started watching the show because of how much I've talked about it on the podcast <laughs> and is trying to get you to watch it, too. Um 
I, I'm truly sorry. I would never want to ruin something like that for someone. All I will say is that it truly does not matter who wins or loses on Love Island. It's really all about the drama that it takes to get there. I had the ending of the season spoiled for me, and I still enjoyed it. So, Ari, please accept uh, my sincerest apologies. I will be more careful about spoilers in the future. But, Mike, mm -hmm. I think it it shows the power of community that our, our show is, uh, you know, the, the listeners of our show are willing to watch Love Island, but it also shows maybe the flaws in our friendship that you're not willing to give it a look. So, I, I will eventually. I, it's not <laughs> like I'm dismissing you and your opinions. I have respect for for both of them. Um, <laughs> for both, you know, of I want to. Yes, I want to <laughs> have. I want to have a deeper conversation about Squid Game once you start actually watching okay. the show because I, I I feel like we could and and this kind of stinks that the show dropped when it did because it would have been absolutely tremendous off-season content for us to kind of power rank the the games that the characters mm. go through um on the show and see you know have our our, our loyal listeners vote on who would survive until the, like <laughs> me or you I just think it would have been a lot of fun um, uh, to do it I agree I agree can I throw one one last thing out there uh before we we really dive in because we got a lot of good basketball stuff that we want to get to today the season's yes. creeping up but there's one more thing I want to throw out there I tweeted about this yesterday and normally I don't like to come on this podcast and talk about my tweets but if you're at a coffee shop okay mm -hmm. You you can't. This isn't the time for you to be looking at the menu. This isn't the time for you to be catching up uh, with someone at the back of the store whose face you recognize. You go up there, you order your coffee within thirty seconds, and you walk away. Okay, I, I someone was taking like four minutes in front of me at the coffee shop yesterday, and I was like, "This is absurd. What is this? Literally nothing necessitates this interaction being this long." It's not even like you know that that curb episode where um, Larry David is waiting in line at an ice cream shop because uh, the, the woman in front of him has to try every flavor. Like, what could you possibly be doing with a coffee? Uh, a, you know, I, and I got responses. People like, I need to see the menu. And I'm like, what, no, you don't. What's, what are they throwing out there? A flavored latte that you got to decide if you want? You, you, listen, this is how every single one of my interaction goes. I go up there. They're like, hey, Roja, nice to see you again. I'm like, thank you. How are you? They're like, good. And I'm like, cold brew, please. Splash of oatmeal. That's it. That's it. And then I pay. <laughs> good Lord. Um, this is probably the, the best opening five minutes yeah. on an NBA podcast of all time. So I yeah. just want to give. That, uh, this, is uh, why, this is why I have to live in coastal cities. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's wonderful. So yeah. anyway, on today's show, uh, you and I are going to open up the mailbag once again a little bit, and we're going to tackle a fun thought exercise that we were supposed to do weeks ago. Um, but first, a quick thank you and a quick reminder to all of our listeners to please keep your emails coming in, openfloormail at gmail.com. That's openfloormail at gmail.com. We got a bunch of notes from the Open Floor Globe over the past few days about our anti anti Facts conversation, I guess is how I will label it. Um, they were really thoughtful. And even though we aren't going to really talk about that issue today, we just wanted to quickly acknowledge everyone who wrote in. We really appreciate you. Um, okay, so we want to start today's show by talking about an article that was written earlier this week by the Athletics, uh, Sham Sharania, Sam Amick, and Bill Oram. It's Shout a deep out to dive. Uh, Bill, by the way, real quick, who is in his bag at Media Day. I believe it was Bill Oram. <laughs> Uh, who who said to Dwight Howard after Dwight Howard uh, 
said he wasn't going to get into his vaccine because that's HIPAA law. Bill Orem said that's not what HIPAA is, but okay. Shout out I'm, to Bill. I agree. I mean, the, we got to clarify to these players what HIPAA is, but that's a different conversation for a different <laughs> day. Um, anyway, this story on the Lakers just did a really great job detailing how Russell Westbrook ended up in Los Angeles, along with providing a bunch of other juicy tidbits about the NBA's I guess I'm going to call them the NBA's most polarizing team. Would you say that's fair, Rohan? I think that's very fair. Okay. So you wanted to discuss this article um, when it dropped on Monday's show, but we had other things that we had to discuss. So we're getting to it right now. And I know that you also wrote a column the other day that everyone should go read on SI.com about how age is not the Lakers' biggest issue. It's fit, which is something we've talked about on the show ad nauseum. Um, So I'm just going to throw it to you to start. Uh, Ro, just what were your biggest takeaways from this story after you read it? Uh, just how much LeBron apparently is leading to genuinely being the general manager of this team, that he's basically mm-hmm. doing free agent calls from his house with Jared Dudley as his, as his second or third in command. Just, uh, you know, he's talking to Westbrook. He's talking to DeRozan. Um, I, listen. LeBron is a GM, a little bit of a spotty track record, okay? And it, it kind of feels like this team was built in his image and his vision, and it's kind of betting on him being able to make all this work. And I wrote in my story, and we've talked about the awkward fit of the Lakers, mm-hmm. the only age that matters on the Lakers is LeBron, okay? And he's going to be 37 in December. I just don't know why they're taking such massive gambles with him this point in his career when there's a winning formula that that's pretty easily out there, but instead they're trying to do, let's bring in another ball handler. Let's uh, bring in all these old vets. Like it it just feels like there's a a formula out there that makes sense that they're running away from. But then again, it, it seems to be, that's what LeBron wants. This is the team he wanted. He clearly had a lot of input, uh, in how this team was built. And I just think the idea that, he's doing his own free agent calls is kind of crazy. That is certainly a takeaway. I I would agree for sure. I did like the details of his compound in (laughs) Brentwood with the mahogany. What was it like the mahogany uh, cigar Cigar room? Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of people were expecting it to make an appearance on Monday Night Football uh, (laughs) when he Skyped in with Peyton and Eli, but unfortunately did not. I forgot that you are now just like an NFL correspondent. For yeah, Sports exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so to me, the I don't even know if this is like a takeaway, but just kind of the, the big theme, maybe that's also not the right word. Just what I felt when I was reading the story is just like the Lakers constant search for relevance even when it's at the cost of being competitive is so funny to me like so long as genie bus is the owner they will prioritize name over substance they are willing to sacrifice continuity they're willing to sacrifice chemistry for the sake of of relevance and attention that in reality they do not need because they are the lakers so that was one of the big kyle kuzma's gonna get that hype you know exactly or alex caruso but like this was the one reason that they backtracked on the Kings and, and struck a deal for Westbrook instead of Buddy Heald because, and I'm going to quote a line from the story, um, while she, meaning Jeannie Buss, has long since empowered 
Rob Polinka, to be the final front office decision maker, the impact of her family's legacy remains strong. And the Westbrook deal, quite clearly, was seen as the kind of move that would make her late father, legendary Lakers owner Dr. Jerry Buss, smile. So I don't know how much any of that statement bothers Lakers fans, but if I were a Lakers fan, it would bother me. Like if if Dr. Jerry Buss could have seen the three-point revolution take place. Maybe he starts smiling at other things. It's just like what I, you know, <laughs> just throwing that out there. Um, but that mindset just stretches elsewhere beyond the Westbrook um, transaction. You know, it, the article touches on their decision to bring in Andre Drummond. And from where I sat when that happened to after reading the article today, like he was brought in because he was a big name. Even though, you know, there was a risk of him pissing off, that move pissing off Marc Gasol. The, the Drummond move was a disaster because they were playing really well with Gasol and then they alienate him, even mm-hmm. though if they're, if you're going to play a center next to AD, he's the guy you want. Right. Exactly. So you 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 disrupt the team's chemistry in a very predictable way. Um, you uh, disrespect a borderline Hall of Famer in the process and basically like his, he just was never going to come back, which was reported in that article. He was so upset. Um, another tidbit in there um, was that Frank Vogel only got a one year contract extension, which is obviously insulting as the article points out. I don't know what out. Frank Vogel has to do to get some respect <laughs> in LA. He only what won a title in year one, even though there was uh the bubble, uh, they had to deal with, obviously, the death of Kobe Bryant. That year started with them being stuck in China. He, last year, he has them with the number one defense in the league, even though all their players are hurt. I don't know what they're thinking with Frank Vogel. I mean, I guess he's aligned with LeBron is how it's sold in the story, contract-wise, but crazy. Well, I, I mean, that's just like kind of, I don't know, that's – very weird because yes. as you, I mean, he just won the title and AD is under contract for longer. So, True. um, you know, the article mentions Mike Budenholzer's extension was for three years mm-hmm. after Mike Budenholzer won the championship. After Nate McMillan, Mike Budenholzer was also fired on Twitter. <laughs> sure, exactly. Yeah. And like Nate McMillan, you know, had a wonderful season last year taking over for uh, Lloyd Pierce uh, on March 1st. He signs a four year contract. Off of that. So it's just like, I, you know, I, I don't I, I thought that that was um, in line with how the Lakers operate. And maybe like I'm, I'm, I'm a little off step or off base here. But honestly, what I believe in my heart of hearts is that from the Lakers point of view, Frank Vogel is just not a glitzy persona. Like he's not a sexy name. And that's just how I, I always think when the Lakers are making some of the decisions that they make from bringing in Carmelo, even though. Carmelo, I know, I understand. Like Carmelo is only on a one-year vet man, but just like he's just not very good. He's not going to play for you in the playoffs. Um, what? So, in what lineup can LeBron and Carmelo play together? Then LeBron's not playing center. <laughs> I mean, in the playoffs, I don't think they're. I, I just don't think he can be on the floor. Like, we, you know, we'll see with matchups and everything like that. But what are, could, can they play Melo, LeBron, and AD together? I mean, offensively, that's that's fine. You could put me next to LeBron and, and AD, right. and I think you'd well, be okay. Yeah, this is the real problem, though, and it's what I touched on in my story, is that defensively, this team is taking a gigantic step backward with the additions they made this summer, even though that was the backbone of their success the last two years. And if you really run down their list of players 
who they acquired. I mean, just think about the last time we saw them in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Last time we saw Russell Westbrook in the playoffs, the Lakers were literally ignoring him whenever he didn't have the ball. Kendrick Nunn was getting cooked in the Miami Milwaukee series. <laughs> Carmelo Anthony was get, Carmelo Anthony was getting cooked uh, in the Nuggets Blazers series. Uh, Trevor Ariza is probably the best addition they made. I mean, I think he can still shoot. I think he can still defend, but he's not a perimeter stopper, and he's going to be their premier perimeter stopper. Uh, Malik Monk wasn't even offered a qualifying offer by the Hornets. You've never even seen him in the playoffs. Even though he came into the league as a shooter, he's kind of been an inconsistent shooter uh, mm-hmm. throughout his career so far. I, I mean, you, you just go up and down the list of the people they brought in. Uh, Wayne Ellington, last time he was in the playoffs, another guy who gets targeted on every possession. So let's they let's... just they added a ton of one way guys, and it's just the, I think the heart of what I want to get to with the Lakers is I have no idea who their best five players are. Very fair, and that brings us to something that I wanted to talk to you about, which is their starting five. And I don't think their starting five will. I think their starting five will rarely resemble their closing five. And I know that the story has reported. The story reported one of the bigger revelations was Anthony Davis, his willingness to play the five. He spoke about that at media day. Um, He was so at media day, Anthony Davis was like, "Uh, nothing is set in stone, which is not exactly I think he I thought he was going to offer a little bit more of a strong encouragement for him. He'll just never be excited about it. He'll never be excited about it. I mean, Vogel said that it's going to be a 50 50 split. I that remains to be seen to me. I don't know how you can see, start him at center and see how well that goes. And then another night, you know, and be like, you know what we need? DeAndre Jordan, who wasn't even the Nets rotation at the end of the playoffs. Ray John Rondo, by the way, another guy they brought back, wasn't in the rotation uh, for the uh, Clippers at the end of their last two series. Um, Dwight Howard, who they brought back, was getting killed every time he was on the floor against the Hawks. Um yeah, anyway, go ahead. I, I derailed the starting lineup conversation, but you were about to mention who the Athletic <laughs> so, reported. Well, they, they report that, um, quote, a likely starting five will be AD at the five, Westbrook, LeBron James, Trevor Ariza, and uh, Wayne Ellington. Um, Frank Vogel has said that nothing is, is, is solidified there, and I believe that personally because they're not even in training camp yet, and... Why would they with so many pieces like Malik Monk could just like tear through everything in training camp and then he might be a starter. Who knows? Um, But I just thought that Wayne Ellington being in this piece was like, uh, is bizarre too harsh? Um, Maybe. No, I I don't think bizarre is too harsh at all. I was not expecting to see his name be inked into the projected starting five. I, you know... Him being even in the rotation, frankly, I can see him dropping out of the rotation very quickly. Uh, no disrespect to him and his skill set, which is very important in the NBA. But he just makes more sense to me, like coming off the bench where uh, he can go up against opposing second units that aren't going to try to focus in on him and um, aren't going to have as many weapons who really expose his defensive liabilities and he can space the floor and run off screens for LeBron or Westbrook. And assuming that the Lakers will have lineups that only have one of those guys to start second quarters and fourth quarters. So like that's 
like that that seems like his role, right? Like I just don't understand why he would start unless you were that starred for outside shooting. But as I texted you, we were texting about this because I was like kind of flabbergasted. I would just start Bazemore, I think. Just start like Kent Bazemore, who's an up and down three point shooter, but just has more size and a little bit more defensive versatility. Him, Ariza, and then their their big three, I think, should be the starting five. What do you think? I, I don't hate it, and I know what you're saying. Like at this point, we're nitpicking. You know, it's like talking about like players 150 to 200 on the top 100. You know what I mean? Where it's like, do we want Bazemore or Ellington here? Does it really matter? Mm-hmm. I mean, Bazemore has never been like a volume shooter, and at the end of the day, I don't think his shot has as much gravity as Ellington, which might ultimately be more important for whatever they're trying to do. I just, what freaks me out about the Lakers is who, who are their two way role players? Who are the guys that you can trust on a floor in a playoff series? Ariza. LeBron. (laughs) I mean, outside of LeBron and the role players, it's Ariza and who else? Um, I mean, that's, on a really good day, Kendrick Nunn, I think. Yeah. Uh, Taylor Horton Tucker could make a jump here, and he yeah, is mentioned I mean, they, as a possibility they, as and as a starter. Right. Which I mean, I they'd need a shooting to improve so much. From BBC Radio Four, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my god, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare there's no distance too far for the perfect trip hi checking in for or the perfect table hey where are you and when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. So let's talk about it. Who do you think their closing five would be? Do you, what if they're, I, I wouldn't not be surprised if their closing five is not currently on the roster. Oh, that's, yeah. I, I mean, that should be 100% noted here. It happens every year. They're going to be um, big suitors in like buyout season, of course. That's, they're the Lakers. They're, you know, teams that buy out veterans. Um, 
you know, they're going to be a title contender and everybody wants to go play with LeBron and AD and live in Southern California. So, you know, I don't know who that is right now. Um, this might be like a wonderful, if we didn't have another question to get to, this would be a wonderful <laughs> time to transition into an email that we're about to talk about. But, um, but no, I, I don't, I don't know. Cause I, I mean, they don't have like a ton of tradable assets, so I don't see them being too active at the mm-hmm. deadline and the contracts that they have are usually are like vet men guys. Right. So I, I don't know. It's a really good question. Um, and, and it should have been Caruso had they kept him. But I mean, as that piece mentions, they let him walk purely for financial reasons, which remains insane to me. Yeah, let's 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 transition right there where um, the piece talks about Russell Westbrook, obviously, and his steadfast obsession with going to L.A. and not being left in Washington, D.C. It also talks about DeMar DeRozan as someone who uh, LeBron was interested in and, and they tried to um, put together a sign and trade that would have got DeMar DeRozan there, but they couldn't figure something out with the Spurs. Um, and then there's obviously Buddy Heald, who uh, apparently the, the Kings were very upset when uh, L.A. backtracked there, which they should have been. I would have been yeah. very upset The as Lakers well. should have been very upset when the Lakers backtracked there. Yes, and maybe they will. But my question to you is just who who do you think the Lakers would have been better off with coming out of this offseason among those three players? And when I ask that, I, you know, we should try to factor in what the Lakers actually had to give up to get a Westbrook or to, you know, they would have to give up less, presumably, to get DeRozan. We know they would have had to give up less to get Buddy Heald. So just who do you think is the best fit there, all things considered? So that that Buddy Heel deal would have been Montrez and uh, KCP, Kuzma. correct? Kuzma. No, no, and Kuzma. they would have had yep. they would have kept KCP. Correct. Listen, if you could throw out a lineup um, that had healed KCP, LeBron, Anthony Davis, and then you you have another avenue to find uh, your starting point or just Ariza, right? Yeah, or just Ariza. Yeah, I mean, but then I guess LeBron's playing point all year long, um, which he kind of does anyway. I yeah I, I think it's no secret that we all thought the heel deal was the obvious one and the one they should have done. I mean it would have been a much better use of their assets than you still have uh, like you said KCP if you want to use him in another trade or keep him because he was someone who is a very important part of your 2020 title team and someone who's proven that he can play right. late in playoff games. Heels obviously would have been by far the best shooter on the team. The Lakers are are going to be a fascinating experiment in. What is more important, having a roster that makes sense or having talent? Because they're making a huge bet on LeBron doing all his LeBron things to somehow make Russell Westbrook effective, to give the role player boost he usually gives to guys like Nunn, Ariza, uh, Mello, whoever it is. This is such a huge bet on LeBron and AD to an extent, although not quite as big an extent, but AD is going to have to do all the heavy lifting defensively on this team. Oh, I, I think is, it's a huge bet on AD. Yeah. They need yeah, him to be I, like I mean, an MVP this season. Yeah. It, it is just such a huge swing to take to basically say, we're going to get you all these guys. They don't really make sense, but we're just trusting you to be so talented that you're going to figure it out. And the crazy part is, Mike, that I don't like, I, I would not be shocked at all if they won the finals. And that's just because of how much respect I have for LeBron and AD 
And I think there's only one team that can really be considered a runaway favorite right now, and that's the Nets. But they have their own crazy situation. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, what if uh, the Nets make the finals in that week? L.A. County is like we're putting in an ordinance that uh, you have to be vaccinated to uh, play in arenas. What happens then? Um, first of all, I mean that. Why isn't that ordinance? Yeah, that, why isn't that ordinance? <laughs> right great, now? great point. Um, so I, I just think that uh, it's such a weird gamble to take this late in LeBron's career when you should really just be getting every three and D guy you possibly could get around him in AD. That's all that matters. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I get the idea of taking or, or uh, releasing some of the strain offensively, the playmaking responsibilities, putting them on someone like Westbrook's shoulders. I, I also think that Westbrook is not a spring chicken. And uh, two years ago was, you know, when he was in Houston, um, he didn't play in any back-to-backs because they were worried about his body. So I'm just I, I, he did play in back-to-backs last year in Washington for sure. And um, has dealt with uh, several key injuries over the past couple seasons. One of them was kind of COVID related, him coming back from COVID and, and he strained his quad, I believe it was, and just wasn't his, didn't look like himself um, in the playoffs. But yeah, I, I it's going to be really interesting um, with the Lakers. I can't wait to just see how it all fits as. They- we've talked about on the floor. That's like, that's one of the biggest questions of the season. One of the most important questions in the entire NBA is how this is all going to fit together. They really have such a huge opportunity to make us look stupid because I think we're so skeptical, but here's one last question I have about the Lakers because you know, you know, their fans are really excited. You know, a lot of them think they're going to run through this league during the regular season. I just want to know last five minutes of a playoff game, LeBron's going to have the ball in his hands. What is Russell Westbrook going to be doing? I am not smart enough to answer that question. <laughs> Only Russell Westbrook can answer that question. And, and poor Frank Vogel has very little time on his contract to figure it out. Um, yeah. Okay. But- so that was that was a wonderful little Lakers primer <laughs> there. Um, we're obviously very negative and at the same time neither of us would be shocked if they won the nba championship which is why i labeled them the most polarizing team um in the nba they're just they're just the weirdest team ever the 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 collection of personalities rondo and westbrook on the same team the the collection of personalities the the talent uh the stakes it's going to be fascinating and we'll definitely obviously be checking in on them several times throughout the year. But I just basically wanted to make sure we had an opportunity to lay out our skepticism and why before the season started, because I don't want to turn this into a Lakers pod just because I'm in LA, but I, I wanted to make sure we got that out there. Cause it's going to be so weird. It's going to be so weird. From BBC radio four Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. 
Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the south side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn. Alliances will shift. And danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. Okay, so now um, I want to read this email from this non-Lakers email from a longtime listener, Stavros, who writes in, we can safely assume that Thaddeus Young will start but not end the 21-22 NBA season as a San Antonio Spur. Given his talent level, Young has the potential to significantly improve the championship chances of several contenders. So which franchise would benefit most from attaining him? Uh, thank you so much, Davros. That is a wonderful question. Um, I'm just going to... I'll kick things off here, Ro, if that's all right with you. Um, I know that this question... It's supposed to be about contenders, and Thad Young has been somewhat linked to the Phoenix Suns as a possible fit at one point. Um, but I personally see Thad Young as someone who just better fits on teams that are either trying to progress from bad to respectable or respectable to good, not necessarily like good to great, if that makes any sense. So like put him on the Timberwolves as their starting power forward, and he's just a humongous addition. Put him on the Cleveland Cavaliers as their starting power forward, and he's a humongous addition. Put him on the Raptors. Put him on the Grizzlies as their starting centers, and just like, let's go. I'm so here for that. So when you talk about contenders, I, I don't know if he can start for any of them because of his shooting and just the positional restrictions that he has. And that was one of the reasons why he couldn't even start for, for major stretches um, last season in Chicago. But, like, I think he would be absolutely perfect as Utah's backup center. Like, I, I don't think that that's realistic for a variety of reasons. Maybe it is. Maybe they're able to kind of you want to break up the you want to break up the white side Gobert duo. <laughs> well, I mean, it's more like I, they better be able to play with Rudy Gay as their backup five in the playoffs. So yeah. they're in trouble, is how I view it. So, um, so yeah, like Thad Young for defensive purposes. And playmaking purposes would just be such an upgrade, I think, over Rudy Gay, who who I think you know makes enough sense. Rudy Gay was of, a great a great pickup for them, but he can't be. He can play five in the playoffs, I think, for a bit. But I don't. It's a it's a little bit of a dice roll. Like, it's a little bit here's of a the, dice here, roll. Here's the deal: like 
he would have been great in that Clipper series. Yes, yes. But there are other matchups where he might not be. Like if, for right. example, you go up against the Suns and they have a healthy um, Saric or someone like that as their backup five, like Saric is just going to go into the post and then do mm-hmm. work. So I, I think it's a matchup dependent thing and they could get into trouble. So Thad Young would have been would be tremendous there. I don't think it's possible or anything's possible, but I don't think it's likely that he he ends up there. But that would be the team that I really would love to see him play on. Listen, I'm taking the low hanging fruit here and I'm saying Bienvenidos, Thad Young. Let's let's get him down in Miami. Let's get him in the best <laughs> shape of his life. Uh let's introduce him to some culture. Some coladas, um, you know, and just let him cook, baby, on on in downtown Miami. Now, here's what I'd say about why I actually like that young to Miami. And I also just want to say to Stavros, I love the email. I'm not confident that Thad Young doesn't finish the year on the Spurs because I don't know what the Spurs are doing ever. Uh, none of their moves make sense. They, I, I don't know. They're not really rebuilding fully yet. I, I don't know. The Spurs are just Aren't weird. They? You don't think they're rebuilding? I think they finally are, but I feel like they also weirdly try to remain somewhat competitive for Pop. If anyone would not want Young to go to a contender just purely out of spite, it strikes me as Greg Popovich. <laughs> um, so, like, they didn't trade Rudy Gay last year. A lot of people thought they would. Uh, so, you know, I, I'm just saying I'm not fully confident that he's not going to end up on the Spurs for the whole year. But here's what I'd say about the Heat and why I like that Young there even though he's not exactly a spring chicken to use your term anymore either. Their power rotation right now outside of Bam Adebayo is PJ Tucker, Markeith Morris, and Dwayne Dedman. Now shout out to Dwayne Dedman. He was the team's MVP last year. Everyone in mind. He played great. He played great. Everyone in mind loves Dedman. Um, But like you mentioned, there's just going to be some matchups in the playoffs that make less sense for him to come in as the backup five. They have Markeith and PJ Tucker. Uh, by the end of the playoffs, P.J. Tucker was not doing much offensively. Um, and then at the you look at their minutes averages for the last few years between Markeith and P.J., it doesn't add up to 48, okay? One, one of those guys is going to have to stretch himself uh, more than he has in the past. And with both of them being vets, I, I think, you know, health, is, health and depth are going to be two fascinating issues for the Heat next year. If they could get someone like Thad Young, I, they, I think they do need – help depth wise. And I think that he'd actually get a, a big chance to play there in the playoffs at this point. I think they're going to lean into just being a, a team that wants to, you know, live in the mud and not really try to score the basketball. So I think he would fit in with kind of the, the makeup of this roster, but that's one I, I genuinely think is a good fit for both sides. Cause he'd get an opportunity to play. And that, that team I think needs all the depth it can get. Yeah, you hit it. You hit the nail on the head there when you said that they would be playing in the mud with Dad Young. Um, I don't think he can play at the same time as Bam Adebayo. You'd have a little bit of difficulty playing him, even with Jimmy Butler. Um, and- For sure, but but you know, there's those those matchups where the other team's backup five isn't a big, and you don't want to play Deadman. I think that they need someone like Young. Just go zone, baby. Play yeah. Tyler Hero <laughs> with the five. Go, let's go crazy. Positionless, baby. There's no positions anymore. That's what Eric Spolster likes to say. Okay, so we are going to now transition into a topic that has been in our outline, just collecting dust 
basically for the entire offseason. And it's um, something it's, we want to get to. It's something yeah. we want to get to, yeah. I think this is a perfect time to dust it off. Um, I'm just going to call it the sustainability topic. Sustainability, that's an absolutely atrocious thing that I just said. I don't even know what I'm talking about. But what we are about to discuss is all the weird stuff that happened last year, how much of it is for real heading into this upcoming season? Because I don't think, I think as we distance ourselves from last year and just its its utter strangeness, we kind of forget how unique and singular last year really was to all the players for a variety of reasons. I think and last year was more weird than the bubble year. Let me put it that way. Agree. I, I totally agree. And so with health and safety protocol, I mean, we there will be um, a little bit of, of that this year, potentially, just given the unvaccinated players that but there are just, you know, over 90 percent of the league is vaccinated. We should see, you know, the, the lost time go down. For certain. That is that is a hope that we'll see. And also the schedule will be normalized. It won't be as truncated, etc. So a few things um, will normalize and a few stats that we saw last year will not uh, be maintained, I would think. So we're going to we're going to touch on a few of these. I asked you, Rohan, to bring three things to the table that happened last season that were unexpected enough to have their sustainability questioned. Um, do you want to uh, do you want to throw me one of those that I, I don't even know what what you've thought of? You have not shared them with me beforehand, or do you want to get get cracking on a few of the ones that I have listed here? I can th- I can throw you one of mine. Okay, let's go. Uh, I you mentioned another player who I think really showed out in this category. I think this player is is better at this particular skill, but his team just took a huge bet on him. And that's Michael mm-hmm. Porter Jr. Who shot Ooh. 45% from three last year. And it's funny. I've always thought MPJ had the talent to be a really good scorer, but he's a scorer, not a shooter. If that makes sense. I, I still don't look at his, his jump shot form and it looks particularly pure. I, I just was a little bit surprised at how well he maintained his three point shooting all year long. And he was letting it fly. I mean, he's a high volume guy. He's getting them up, you know, six, seven, eight, nine times, nine, ten times a game. So he's not shy from letting it fly out there. The Nuggets obviously just gave MPJ the max extension. He's not vaccinated, so who knows what issues could arise from that uh, this season? That's it, a pretty big bet to take on someone who, frankly, is doing something that uh, uh, makes his team in a less advantageous position. So. That's a big bet on, on MPJ, who's Mercurial. We've traded him like 15 times on this podcast uh, since the playoffs. But that's what I'm looking at where, okay, if he's really shooting like that and Murray does come back healthy and they do have Gordon uh, for a full year now, they can be super, super dangerous. But I don't know. About, I don't know. Maybe you feel confident in it, but I've always looked at him as more of a scorer than a shooter. And I think that is an important distinction. I think he's both, frankly. Like his catch and shoot numbers are terrific. Um, he makes tough outside shots as well. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I'm not gonna say I was surprised at all by the extension news because he's got that talent, and if he were to hit restricted free agency, someone's gonna offer them the max. So you mm-hmm. might as well just hit him with the extension, especially this upcoming off season where there's just no free agents. 
that are attractive. Um, so you might as well just hit him now. And the last year of the deal, I believe, is not fully only, guaranteed. Yeah, only about $12 million are guaranteed. So that's great to kind of protect, protect yourself if you're the organization from, um, you know, he's had multiple inju- serious injuries um, over the past few years, uh, back surgery, et cetera. So, you know, I'm not, I wasn't surprised, but it was just, uh, you know, on the heels of Aaron Gordon, I thought they were going to um, almost have to pick either or just given. I thought the, so too. Inc- I thought so yeah. too. Yeah. Given the incredible price tags that are coming for sure with uh, the price tag, I should say, that's coming for Jokic, who is uh, eligible next summer for a Supermax extension. Like, it's just going to get real pricey. Maybe they picked MPJ and Gordon over Jokic. Maybe. Yeah, Yeah, I think think you might be onto something. Here's what I'll say, and I brought this up when uh, our good friend Paolo Ugetti was on the show. Shout out to the Nuggets, though, because we get on teams all the time for not ponying up to pay their guys. And this is a small market team that's now drafted and signed three guys to max extensions. They did what the Oklahoma City Thunder were not willing to do. Uh, and on top of that, handed out an extension to a guy like Aaron Gordon, who they traded for. Whether or not they all end up being smash hits or they ended up winning a championship, this is what all teams should be encouraged to do. So shout out to the Nuggets for at least uh, putting their sure. money where their mouth is. Absolutely. So... I guess so. You're, you're you're falling on that Michael Porter Jr. Let's see. The numbers are last season. He hey, shot. Mike. I'm just asking questions. Okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, I'm putting you. Hey, I get criticized. I did some of my own research. And, yeah, do your, uh, exactly, and now you I'm just asking didn't. questions. Yeah. <laughs> so last season, uh, Michael Porter Jr. took was six point three. Was it forty four point six percent? What was he at? 44.5 you could not have there been more go. wrong <laughs> so do you think he's that that is unsustainable for him the previous season he shot 42.2 on a slightly lower or i guess half of the volume in terms of threes per game but that's also very accurate uh so do you think that that's dropping down or or what do you what are you thinking especially with jamal murray not exactly well that's really the big one right is murray's going to be out for probably most of the regular season if not all of it I, I I have to imagine it's going to come down a little bit, right? I mean, 45, even if he's a great shooter, that's an insane percentage. And theoretically, there's going to be a lot more attention on him now with Murray. I think it comes down a little bit. The really the question is how much? Because if it's around like if it's at like 42, okay, that's not a big deal. That's sustainable. If it's at like even if it's at like 37 or 38, I'm just curious to see how that changes things. So I'm just looking this up real quick. When Jamal Murray was on the floor with Michael Porter Jr. last season, uh, MPJ shot 45.2% from behind the three-point line on 4.1 attempts per game. When Jamal Murray was off the floor, Michael Porter Jr. shot 44.1% on 3.8 attempts per game. So I I just MPJ. I think he's really good, and this is a potential third-year leap season for him. Mm. I'm always high you on love third the third-year third leap. leap. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I love it. We gotta get third-year um, leap T-shirts. That's a great idea. Yeah, that's a, that might be your best idea, honestly. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that after yeah. we record today's show. Hopefully, we get through it in one piece. <laughs> um, okay, so let's move on from MPJ. I'm gonna throw you uh, one of the items that I have listed here. Um, and it's the steep trajectory of offensive efficiency. 
So last season gave us eight of the 10 most efficient offenses in NBA history, including the top seven most efficient offenses in NBA history. And my question is simple. Like, will that trend continue? What do you think? I I do think the games, obviously it's all, it's all offense. Now. I don't think you can say defense is like, is just not as important as it was even five years ago. I do think that one's taken a step back. I think we saw in the playoffs teams like the Suns and Bucks had good defenses and that mattered. I think having crowds in arenas is going to help defenses a lot. I think having crowds in arenas is going to make it a little tougher for offenses to just shoot as well as they did. I think defensive effort will be better in a more normal season that's not as truncated and guys coming in and out, et cetera. I, I think that the game is still always going to be trending towards better offenses. I don't see that trend slowing down. I don't see it being as uh, jarring as it was last year. I think that this rule change that's trying to take out, I think they're, they're, they're basic. It's not a rule change. It's a, a, a reinterpretation of the rules to be technical, but this um, elimination of quote, abrupt, um, unnatural movements from ball handlers. So, you know, um, Steph Curry leaping into pump faking a defender into the air and then jumping into the defender, for example, that's something that they're just not going to have. Um, They're not going to reward the offensive player with stuff like that. And you get a lot of really efficient offense out of possessions like that. And Luca does it. Trey does it. Steph, does, there's a ton at Harden, et cetera. So, Harden? No way. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I think that that could potentially bring it down a little bit. That said, uh, real quick stat for you. In 2016, 28.5% of all shots were threes. Last year, 39.2% of all shots were threes. And it just keeps going up and up and up and up and up every year. So the three-point line is just changing basketball. I'm not saying we're going to see the this season's going to yield, again, the seven most efficient offenses in NBA history. I agree with you that crowds and the schedule and a lot of those things were a factor there. But it the NBA is defined by offense, I think, um, yeah. at least in the regular season. Uh, okay, so do you want to I kind of answered th- that question and you kind of didn't, but that's okay. I, I, I agreed with you. Okay. We're on the same right. page. Okay. 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 Rohan, why don't you give me your next item for us to discuss here? Okay, Mike, do you want my curveball special one? That's going to make you mad. Yes. Or, or yes. do you want yes. my, no, 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 no. I don't even want to know what your next thing was. Just give me the curveball. I can't now I'm okay. I shouldn't have even given you the option. I should have saved my curveball. <laughs> what was the other fine. option? Cause I know our listeners are going to be upset if I don't, if I don't uh, ask. Okay. The other option was less exciting anyway, but I saw that you put the sun's good health. Uh, sorry to spoil one of yours, um, but I put the so I put the Lakers' bad health in mine because, and I think that's a, a more well, interesting they have a conversation. Completely different team, <laughs> but but the real question is LeBron and AD, right? Because right. we've never seen two LeBron seasons in LA cut short by injury. He is sure. turning thirty-seven this year. Uh, then we have AD, who people like to say is injury prone. I don't necessarily believe that, but just. Again, this is not going to be an easy season. They've had a longer offseason now, but still not quite a full one. So I just think those two are interesting. It's worth keeping an eye on. But here's one that really betrays uh, the spirit of this conversation because Mm -hmm. I'm looking at a one-game sample size. (laughs) Okay. Can you guess what it is? No, I cannot. 
This is, I think, the most important thing in the NBA. This one game. And it's Giannis Attentacumpo shooting 17 of 19 from the free throw line in game oh. six of the NBA Finals. Okay. Because if that is sustainable, it's he's going to average 40 points a night. He won't be stopped. He will just go nuts from the free throw line, and there will be no no defending him because you can try to play the jump shot, but he'll drive into the lane, and you will foul him because it's your, your best bet. You don't want to get dunked on. But – in all seriousness, I mean, that's a big one. It, he stepped up the line so confidently that night. The Suns, I wonder if they're still kicking themselves to this day because that was a close game. That was a seven-point game. and was very close in the fourth quarter. And if Giannis has a normal free-throw shooting night, the Suns maybe win. Um, yeah, I just think Giannis' free-throw shooting, if he found something in that game, which I know sounds absurd, I get it, but that's what free-throw shooting can be like sometimes. Uh that that is a that's a truly a game changer. Yeah. So Giannis shot fifty eight point seven percent from the free throw line in the playoffs last year. He was at fifty eight percent the year before. In the regular season, he was at sixty eight point five last year, sixty three point three the year before, seventy three, seventy six, seventy seven in the previous seasons, three seasons. So it's possible he gets up to a pretty good number that you can live with for sure. Um, you know, eighty nine percent, which is, I believe, what his yeah. percentage. I mean, was what if he got? To, what if he got to eighty one? That's really that's really good. Um, free throw shooting and I don't know I'm a big believer in just get up there and shoot and he's the exact he's the literally the exact opposite that is true that is just get up there and shoot the ball like that's when I played basketball there's just no time to think you just gave me a true a true like war flashback to Suns fans counting to 10 and how I never (laughs) how I can never hear someone count to 10 again in my entire life (laughs) So, uh, Chris Middleton, who's an excellent free throw shooter, shot 89.8% from the free throw line uh, last season. I'm I'm looking at the team's numbers right now. Uh, Drew Holiday, a pretty good shooter, 78%. I mean, 81% is just going to be, like, that would be a few months. 81 won't happen. But, I mean, you mentioned 77, 76 in the past. If he can get up to 79, 80... He's just so such a much more aggressive force now than he was even sure. two years ago. I just think it's especially in the playoffs. In the playoffs, if he's shooting like that, because we see teams time and time again under the line, in the playoffs he typically shoots worse. It would just be massive, massive game changer. So we both agree that he is not doing that. Okay, great. Let's move on. Um, I think you he's mentioned- gonna, I think he might shoot well. I think I, I don't, I'm not. I'm not going there with you. I think he might shoot well from the free throw line this year in the playoffs. I think he can shoot around what his career average is, which is you know 72, 73, maybe. I don't see a, it. Okay, that's good. That's his career okay. average. So okay. like okay. get up there, you're fine. It's no big deal. He's not shooting eighty two percent. That's just not going to happen. Um, let's. Okay, I have a f- kind of a fun one. Uh, these, actually, I'm not going to say a fun one. They're all fun, so I don't want to single I, this out. I would say, I would disagree and say none of Mike's are fun, but continue. <laughs> wow, damn. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> the Clippers made 44.4% of their wide-open threes last season, which is the most accurate mark since we've been able to track that sort of thing. 
Um, they also led the league in three-point shooting overall at 41.1%. Uh, only three teams in NBA history have ever been more accurate. So my question is, uh, is the Clippers shooting for real, Rohan? I'm glad you brought this question up only because the Clippers were really, really good last year. Um, and their shooting was obviously a big reason why. And I think a lot of people wondered, can they keep it up in the playoffs? And they did. They were shooting really well in the playoffs. Uh, obviously, we know what they did against the Jazz when they went small, but even against the Mavericks, really good shooting team. I mean, I think the obvious answer this year is no, just because they don't have Kawhi and it's going to be a little bit different. Um, I don't know if Re- Reggie Jackson is going to shoot as well as he did. Uh, how many minutes are they going to play Justice Winslow? He's not quite a shooter. So I, I think it goes down just because Kawhi's out, but I, I still have a lot of Clippers optimism this year. I think they're going to be really good. I, I would say I don't think that they're a title team without Kawhi, but I think Paul George is probably the most confident he's ever been in his career. They still have a really good team. Also, they get a healthy year from Ibaka. Obviously, uh, he's getting a little long in the tooth now. He's a vet, but I, I think even when he played last year, I don't I don't know if he was fully there every night. So I think the Clippers are going to be really good, but it would be crazy if, as a team, they shot as well as they did last year. I I agree, and the number one reason, besides just like the outrageous hot shooting from guys like you know someone like Marcus Morris, who was just just didn't miss Reggie Jackson was way up there. I don't see those guys carrying it over, yeah. but most importantly, you the nailed it gyms. with, yeah, with, yeah. with <laughs> sure. You yeah. nailed it with Kawhi. Yeah. Um, I was looking up some numbers on cleaning the glass to prepare for this. And among all players who played at least 1000 minutes last season, uh, Kawhi was number one in terms of how his team shot non-corner threes and just all general threes. Um, they were 8% more accurate. The Clippers were 8% more accurate with Kawhi on the floor, which was number one among all players who logged at least a thousand minutes and 6% on regular threes, which was also number one. So obviously MPJ, MPJ would shoot like 52% from three if he was playing next to Kawhi, basically. Yes, exactly. Yeah, That's, yeah. There's really no other way to. Sh- yeah. I mean, he's he, Kawhi is a superstar. He's a yeah. playmaker. He draws so much attention. Uh, so the Clippers last year, at times, I think, really resembled the team we thought they were going to be when they signed Kawhi and Paul George, which was offensively. Yeah, the shooting, the space was just so good. It was really a, a beautifully built team for the modern NBA, and. They generated the looks you thought they would generate, and they hit. They hit again and again and again, and Batum was a great addition. But, yeah, I think we're on the same page. Without Kawhi, there's no way they can they can do that again. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh my, look at that, he is! And you will not believe where he's going next. 
the Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the south side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn. Alliances will shift and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash the shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Izadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. Let's talk about Julius Randle, who's kind of like the elephant in the room here. Julius Randle is like the poster child of this of this conversation. He literally is. This is his season last year is kind of um, what an all time outlier idea. season. It, it's it sparked like, this entire conversation. Frankly. He he had the kind of season that I this is going to sound dumb, but I'm being serious. It's like he had the kind of season you only see in Major League Baseball where it's like all of a sudden it's like, wait, this guy's hitting 60 home runs or this guy and like i know in the past it's been like associated with steroids and i may want to be clear that that's not at all what i'm insinuating we are not making that insinuation not in the slightest but that kind of random season doesn't really happen in basketball it happens it's like nick Foles throwing for 40 touchdowns under chip kelly or whatever that was like we we see it in other sports sometimes but you can i just cut you off can i can i cut you off right there can you no there's no more nfl Parrot like analogies. That was that such a good analogy. Podcast. Just because Nick I'm, Foles whipped I'm up on the Patriots, them. just because Nick them. Foles whipped up on your evil Patriots, uh, you know, just because Brady and Belichick <laughs> were too busy staring at the red hats in their locker room as opposed to getting ready for the Super Bowl. Uh, don't be mad at my really apt Nick Foles comparison because we it's see tr- these types. We see these types of random seasons in other sports, but we don't really see them in basketball. Okay, so on his way to making an All-NBA team and earning a $100 million extension, Julius Randle made 40% of his pull-up threes last year and 41.7% of his spot-up threes last year. Both are just like way, way, way above his career average marks. Um, I do not think that this is for real. It's also like, I I mean, like Paul George, when he was like top three in MVP, was shooting like that from... (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, it's really crazy. Like, even the best shooters don't usually shoot that well. Right. And it was on a pretty decent volume. And these were taking like, like seven even, if threes you, a game or something. Yeah. If you if you watch the, the Knicks, like, some of these shots were, like, actually contested, too. It's just, like, we, like well, he's, just he's taking crazy. Bailout, taking bailout shots, like, all the time for that offense. Right. And, I, I you know, I don't want to say he's, he's bad. I would just... I would be surprised, and I'm not saying he didn't deserve the extension. I would be surprised if he was, I think I would be surprised if he was an all-star again. I'm just going to say that, honestly, in all seriousness. Um, 
and I will be very surprised if he ever makes another All NBA team. Uh, you know, hopefully he does for his sake, and I'm not rooting against him or anything like that. I just I'm I'm very skeptical about the year that he just had. Here's what it comes down to with Julius Randle, who I've always been a fan of. I loved him on the Lakers. Um, I've always thought he was a fun player. I want guys like him in the league to succeed. I want there to be a room for bigs like him. There is no like rational way to believe that he's going to put up those same numbers again. That doesn't mean he falls off entirely and he might be a fringe all-star close to being an all-star, but the issue with the Knicks is that the difference between the Randall of last year versus a Randall who is good, but not an all-star it changes them dramatically because that's how good he was last year. That's how much he bailed him out on offense last year. So, and that's why I think we've been skeptical about them this whole summer, but it would be great if Randall did again, it would just be defying all expectations, defying all history, defying all odds for him to maintain the pace that he had last year, which really came out of nowhere because the book on him was, he could be an effective player, but never this guy's a great shooter. This guy's a three, knockdown three-point guy, like pull-up three-point guy. Yeah, like that's Julius Randle. Like that was never, ever, ever his game. So it, it would just be a complete transformation that is – we're not saying it's impossible, just that you don't really ever see it. And based on that precedent alone, you have to say it's not going to happen again. But, it, hey, he can make us look – like huge idiots, and that would be cool because we like Julius Randle. Sure. Do you have any others? Um, any other topics that you, you you're bringing to the table here, Rohan? Um, I do think it's worth pointing out just one more time the the Lakers injury thing because their top two guys obviously both missed significant time last year or and were hurt during the first round, and you know LeBron felt like he was on his way to an MVP year until he stepped on Solomon Hill's foot and got the high ankle sprain and some people will say well that's a freak injury and he wouldn't have gotten hurt if Solomon Hill didn't have his foot there other people might say that in the past LeBron wouldn't have actually sprained his ankle he wouldn't be able to walk that one off I just think that their durability is uh something definitely worth keeping an eye on uh this season and moving forward because like I said there's one age on the Lakers that matters and it's LeBron and he's going to be 37 in December we, I was having a conversation with a friend the other day thinking about when would LeBron retire? Because right now he's still consensus top three player in the NBA. He could easily win finals MVP again. No one would be surprised. Mm-hmm. Is he just going to have an injury one day and it's done? Is, is he just going to come in one year like this year where it's a normal season and all of a sudden he doesn't have it anymore? We have no idea. He, like Julius Randle, is breaking all – conception perception reality we have about what the end of someone's career is supposed to look like that there, it's impossible to, to figure out um when he's going to slow down but it's it's just you you have to at least wonder it going into every season because of how many miles he has on his body and now with the injuries as well yeah i think uh, obviously there's going to be continued decline from this point on physically for him um, what's fascinating about LeBron, of course, is that he's also the smartest player maybe ever. And I said this on um, the pod that uh, I did with uh, Jeremy Wu last week, but 
when I was writing my my blurb for LeBron for the top 100, it's just like I I couldn't not consider just his brain and his ability to to slow the game down in a way that you know we always talk about um, you know great players and their ability to just turn the game into molasses it's such a fast game basketball but lebron does that better than anyone maybe ever on both ends he just sees the the future i was gonna say i believe the phrase you sees the future and that's the best way to describe lebron because he knows what your team is going to do before they they do it and that's what makes him so great is he just he does that thing that's one step ahead and it's yeah i just think that his how he holds up these next few years. Like, is he going to be a top three player until he's 40? Uh, that's nuts. Like, this is just nuts. So we've never I seen. I, yeah, yeah. I'm a little, a little skeptical of that personally. That's a, that's a long time from now. Yeah. Um, but he's great. He's awesome. He's maybe the best player of all time and the best player of his generation easily. So uh, should I, you know, let's. This was a. This is nor, this like. I think this is like a really good place to to wrap up the entire episode. Oh I actually, wow! I, but the I surprise actually, ending. No, but I want to. We have one more email that I actually wanted to read. Okay. Um, okay. So uh, let's go to that. You know, I like I like circuitous endings. If that isn't even the right word, um, where we started with the Lakers, we could have ended with the Lakers there. But this email was just too good. I have can to I, drop can it. Can I? Can I just say something real quick before you get in to the? Sure. Uh, I would love to know because I'm sure there are. I just want to hear from the Open Floor Globe what things they think are sustainable or unsustainable because that that to me is the most fascinating subplot of last season that we've we've hinted at and we've written a little bit about uh, at Sports Illustrated. But to me, is such a mat like the ramifications of betting on something that's not real in the NBA can be so huge. I mean, we mentioned the Knicks giving Julius Randle an extension, one that we both think he deserves. It's just going to be really fascinating to see how teams respond to the last couple years of NBA basketball, which is why that sustainability conversation is so important because it determines how these teams feel about their futures, et cetera. Um, I think it's going to be really interesting to see just kind of the effects of the last couple years, how they play out in the NBA. Yeah, like some of the other topics that we're just not going to go too in depth on because of time is like the Hawks as a team getting to the conference finals and being 27-11, 27-11 under Nate McMillan in the regular season. Just like, is that for real? Um, And then more specifically, we had Joel Embiid's mid-range field goal percentage, just how he shot from on long twos last year. It was 48% and the previous year it was 38%. Can I I, I just tell you, that's the one I feel good about. Is Embiid's mid-range shooting that that's the one that I think continues? High? Yeah. Okay. I think he's always had great touch and always been a good shooter. And I think that I don't think it'll be forty-eight every year, but I think it'll be like forty-four to forty-eight every year. Okay. So let's get to this email from Derek, who writes, "Hey guys, enjoyed the Will Smith references the last time. The film you were thinking of is Gemini Man, and it is truly awful. Hitch is one of the best rom-coms of the twenty-first century." Take care, stay safe, love basketball. Derek, I just wanted to read that email because even though there was no, there were no questions and for anyone who did not listen to our episode last week, they're probably wondering what the hell's going on. But uh, we wanted to shout you out for just obviously being a wonderful listener. And- Thank you very much. I, it was funny. I remembered the name Gemini Man right after our podcast ended and almost texted you, but I didn't want you to think I was some kind of like <laughs> Will Smith sicko. Uh, directed by Ang Lee, who's a great director, 
But that movie just looked terrible from the trailers. Like it looked awful. So Will Smith obviously had that big profile in GQ and it was great written by uh, uh, Wesley Lowry. Um, Like highly recommend checking it out. But yeah, man, Will Smith's just got a lot of disappointments for someone who I think pound for pound could be one of our most talented people on the planet. And he's just got a lot, a lot of stinkers up in the filmography on Wikipedia, Gemini man high up there. So, and then you look at Hitch. Hitch is such a great, lovable movie. He could have done one of those a year, and we would have been like, "Thank you, Will." We would have been just loving him. But I don't know. I, you know, he claims he's in his bleep it fifties now, but hopefully that means he makes some good movies. I got to read that profile. Um, really looking forward to that. Always have loved Will Smith, uh, um, Fresh Prince, and uh, and DJ Jazzy Jeff's greatest hits is one of the 10 greatest albums ever made. Just going to throw that out there. Um, so and I got killed for my hitch is the best Will Smith movie take. And you just dropped that uh, bomb. Uh, that, on al- us. that that album is, is no skips. Shout out to Shea <laughs> Serrano. Um, absolutely tremendous from front to back. Um, okay. So that's going to do it for uh, today's show. Uh, again, please um, email us in all of your, you know, sustainability questions, as Rohan said earlier. That would be wonderful. Openfloormail at gmail.com. That's openfloormail at gmail.com. And any other question that you ha- you guys have about the NBA season, which is really right around the corner. There's a preseason game, I think, this Sunday uh, between what? the Nets and the Lakers. Yeah, I think that that's oh, this Sunday. Goodness. It might be next Sunday. I have to, I'd have to double check. And uh, Let me tell you something. Preseason is, I regard, maybe one degree higher than summer league and that I don't regard it at all. It's I might, I'll have to watch. I'm not going to lie. Um, <laughs> it's just, it, yeah. Preseason is a little more serious, but I get where you're coming from. Um, okay. So thank you again to all of our listeners, everybody, please stay safe. Everybody, please continue to enjoy what is left of the NBA off season. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.
there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.